comes up Driving when the sun goes down The hum of 18 wheels Lord, that's the lonely sound I spend all day Chasing that old white line I've been on the road so long I've lost track of time Now it don't matter where I'm going I just gotta drive I have the white line fever to the day that I died I said 18 wheels rolling on the road It is my life 18 wheels rolling on the road It is my life Hey friends, this is Captain Gary Rayburn, Lonesome Road Ministries. Log on to our website, lonesomeroad.org. Give us a call, 618-383-2107. Hey, come ride along with us in the cab as we have Church on the Road. There's so much I gotta see. I gotta look around. I got diesel smoke rolling. From two chrome stacks, my address is 408 414 big blue mag now it don't matter where i'm going i just gotta drive i have the white line fever to the day that i die i said 18 wheels rolling on the road it is my life 18 wheels rolling on the road it is my First, my first tape ministry, I started in uh, a little bitty church, done it for six months, and they shut it down. Said, you can't do that here. And so I, <laughs> I called Ray Sisk. I said, Ray, church done told me I, I've got to quit doing a tape ministry. And Ray said, son, you done put your hand to the plow. You can't quit. God has called you to do a tape ministry. You do a tape ministry. If you have to do it out of your house or wherever, don't let a church, don't let a religion stop you from serving God. And I said, well, I guess I can do it out of my house. So we started a Lonesome Road tape ministry in our basement. October 2000, 2001 is when we actually changed it to Lonesome Road. We haven't quit yet. God just keeps raising us up to new levels, new levels. And he wants to do it to each and every one of us if we will just keep our hand to the plow until he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Come on home. We got David Walco with us today, and he has got a great message. I love this guy. Man, the uh, first time I heard him preach, I thought, man, that guy can preach. <laughs> 
And uh, so uh, every chance I get, I want to I want to go and listen to him preach. But I want to ask you to do something for me first, David. And I I know you like to pray. Uh, anytime somebody asks for prayer, like Ava just did, the first thing we need to do is pray. We don't need to wait. Uh, we, she needs the prayer on Tuesday, but she also needs it right now. Bill Shell, he needs prayer, and there's tons of other people in here that need prayer. And I'm going to ask you, brother, if you will lead us all in prayer for Ava and Bill and anybody else that's got a prayer need, call it out right now. Anybody has a need, just raise your hand. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I see. The name that's above every name. You see these hands raised, Lord. And we come home, we have a boldly to your throne of grace. And Lord, we know you're the author and finisher of our faith, and you are Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals. And Lord, we just call these people healed by your stripes. Not that they will be, but they already are. They've already been healed in the spiritual, and Lord, we ask that you manifest it in the natural. And Lord, we rebuke any, any spirit of fear, any demonic activity becoming against them right now. We plead the blood. Under, in the name of the authority of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Lord, and I ask that you just cover and wash everyone with the blood. You meet every need. We call them whole, healed, and set free. Anything that has a name has to bow to the name that's above every name. If you have back pain or if you have cancer or whatever your need is, there's still a name that's above every name. And we call on that right now in the name that's above every name, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. Hello. <laughs> Anybody been blessed today? Yeah. Oh, come on now. You're, you're not just worshiping somebody that just walked in the door. That's a movie star. You're worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he deserves every bit of praise you can give him right now. Praise God. Oh, man. It's great to be here. Brother Gary called me Thursday and said, are you going to be there Saturday? Yes, I am. He goes, are you preaching? I said, I thought I was visiting. No, you're preaching. I was like, I guess that's why God gave me a message. And let me tell you something. We serve a God of order. I wasn't here last night, but everything is lined up. Message for message. And I've done everything but sit on my hands to keep from running around this building. When I heard Pastor Jeff and then I heard James Payne. And I looked at OJ, a friend that helps me feed the homeless. I said, man, he's killing my sermon. <laughs> but it's not my sermon. It's God's sermon, right? <clears throat> Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, have your way. Whew, man, my knees are weak. Mm -mm -mm. God is so good. In Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 9, I'm going to read verses 1 to 4. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as they journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. 
And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Persecution, the definition of persecution is to drive away or to exterminate someone because of their beliefs, their race, or their religion. Dave, Dave, why do you persecute me? You can insert your name if you want to. Dave, Dave, why do you drive away from my spirit? Why do you drive away from my presence? Why do you walk in rebellion? Why do you not walk in righteousness? Why do you not walk in obedience? We all remember our Damascus Road experience. Amen? I don't care if you were in the jailhouse or in the church house. You never forget when Jesus revealed himself to you. Amen? You never forget that moment. The moment that he came in your life and told you that enough's enough. For me, that was October 7th of 2003. Right down the road here in Boone County, Missouri. Columbia. Columbia, Missouri. Solitary confinement cell 4B19. Laying on the floor with a sheet wrapped around my neck trying to strangle myself. Because seven days earlier, I was arrested for following a truck too close on the interstate. I had a heavy load. So I was catching them on the hills. And when the cop pulled me over, he said, do you know why I stopped you? I said, I wasn't bothering anybody. But he smelled marijuana in the truck. But I've learned now the reason he stopped me wasn't because I was following another truck too close. He stopped me because Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I formed you in your mother's belly, I knew you. And before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified and ordained you a prophet of the nations. I used to say before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. But he formed you in the belly before it was a womb. Hello? Before you were a gleam in your daddy's eye, God knew you. Not, what you, not just what you were going to have you do. He didn't say, I'm going to create Tammy or Jason. Not what I'm going to have them do. He said, this is what I have I need done. Let me create Tammy or Jason or Gary or Chuck or Bruce. He has a specific purpose for each and every one of our lives. I got the Bible only because it was a thick book. I love to read. I didn't grow up in church. My dad was Jewish. My mom claimed she was a Baptist. You can claim whatever you want to claim, but what does your lifestyle show? We didn't go to church. We didn't go to synagogue. Dad said he would never step foot in a church because Jesus was just a teacher. He wasn't the Messiah. So mom would put up an artificial Christmas tree and dad would light the menorah. So we had a Hanukkah bush and we had eight days of presents, which was great for the kids. But nobody ever told me about Jesus until I was 12 or 13 years old. And I saw Charlie Brown's Christmas. Sad. I'm not as old as some people around here. <laughs> but Jesus has been around a lot longer than I have. Someone should have told Dave about Jesus. Not just Charlie Brown and Santa Claus, right? Hello? I, I, am I preaching to myself here? Can you, can you hear me out there okay? Marshall, can you hear me okay? All right. So I'm laying on the floor. I got this Bible for seven days. And I'm, read, I, I'm reading this Bible. And on October 7th, I have... See, my dad always told me, 
that I was never, I was nothing but a waste. And I was never going to be anything. And anybody that ever met me in their life, in my life, would be sorry they ever got to know me. Because I started smoking pot when I was 13 years old. And I rebelled. So, I don't know if you remember the Flintstones. Fred had a little demon on one shoulder and a little angel on the other. So I'm laying in the cell. Everything my dad told me. Coming in my ears. Life and death in the power of the tongue, guys and ladies. Be careful what you speak over your children. You can speak life or death. I'm taking down my wife, taking down my kids. See, we have an adversary that doesn't want to see us fulfill the plan of God in our lives. He wants us, he doesn't care if he kills us. His, his position or job is to kill, steal, and destroy. He doesn't care if he kills you physically. But if he can stop your ministry, that's death. Life is in the cross. Amen? Amen? Anything you do besides focusing on the cross is vain. So, you know, I was one of her Kleenexes in this church. I thought, you're going to have all this music and all this anointing and no, nothing for the, tear, the crybabies? I didn't, I didn't cry before I got saved. I used to collect money for a mob guy in Louisville and I'd shoot people. Now, I don't mean to say, mean to say that, but I did. And I didn't cry until I got saved. It took a heart of stone to turn into a heart of flesh. But I have all these thoughts going through my head on October 7th, 2003. And I have this sheet around my throat. And I hear, you have not because you ask not. And I'm looking around thinking, am I still high? Because I've been up for nine days on crystal meth. And I looked at the Bible and I thought, there's no way a book can talk to me. It's a living word for a reason. And I, so I'm laying there on the floor and I said, I'm crying because I don't want to die, and I don't want to live, but my wife doesn't deserve it. My kids don't deserve it. So I thought, I, I looked up and I said, I don't even know if you're real, but I think if there's something you want me to do in my life, now would be a good time to show it. That fast, that God took something in my size, and I'm a small, slender fella, off of my shoulders. And that peace that surpasses all understanding that the Bible talks about took over in that cell. Six months I sit in solitary confinement. They would never put me in general population. I thought they were afraid that I was going to hurt someone. All things work for the good of those that love him and those that are the called according to his purpose. So I may have wanted to get out and commute or commune or communicate with other ind individuals probably would have been detrimental to my soul <sighs> I know it would have been but for six months I got the word of God every day, 23 hours a day because I only got one hour a day out of the cell that was the time to take a shower get in the day room and take control of the TV and watch days of our lives the price is right <laughs> come on now we're not all sanctified all, all, all day long we watch some shows sometimes the day I go to court, they, they started, their first offer was 100 years in prison, by the way. I forgot to throw that out there. 20 years for every state that I went through. Went through five states. It was a scare tactic because, you know, we have, we're all truck drivers and we, we, we know everything. They can't give me 100 years. I'm not going to live that long. But 
come to find out that it was a federal charge because I crossed state lines. They actually could have given me 100 years. But they come down to five. The day I went to court, I hear God's voice a second time and says, do you believe I can let you go home? And I read the Bible and I said, you know, God, from what I've read, you spoke the world into existence. So if you want me to go home, you'll let me go home. I go to court. They come down to five years. I have one of these public pretenders, public, public defenders. So who don't care whether or not you get, whether you get sentenced or not. They just try to get the case load out of the way. And they're up at the judge's bench, and he looks at me and says, come here, Walco. My wife's sitting there going, and I'm waving, I'm saying, I'm going to Ryan's Steakhouse here in a minute. In five years, I'm coming home. She looked over at my sister like, he's still high. He's still high. <laughs> I've been in jail for six months. I'm sorry. It doesn't stay in your system that long, you know. But he said, I don't know who you know, but they're going to let you go home. Not only did they release me from jail, they kicked me out of Missouri and told me to go back to Kentucky because I was a quote-unquote productive member of society. When, he got out, when I got out of jail, I had made this comment that I've been hearing over and over and over today. God, if there's anything you want me to do, I'll do it. Well, the Bible says that Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. We've been hearing that all day. Why do we settle for a mediocre life or a moderate life? Christianity. Aren't you tired of living so-so? One day on the mountain, next day in the valley, one day believing your family member to be healed, next day you're worried about your electric bill. Some weeks are better than others. Where's this abundant life that Jesus said would come? It's in him. It comes in leaving everything at the cross. Even self, that's the worst part. You have to humble yourself to say, I can't do it. I've messed up my life. It comes in reading his word daily. Because for my wife and my sister both passed away in the same week in March. My wife passed, my, my sister passed away on March 11th. I was in the car heading to California. Nursing home called said my wife only had hours left to live. I was in New Mexico, had to turn around and go back to Kentucky. And she passed away on my birthday. I got to see her before she passed away. And everybody said, I bet you're going to hate your birthday from now on. I said, no. We shared the same birthday. That's how much of a redneck I was married to. But we share the same birthday now. Hers just happens to be in heaven. I can look at the bad part of it. But that's not living in the abundant life that God promised. That's living defeated. We're not defeated because we will lay everything at the cross. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Okay? He doesn't start a work in us to leave us where we're at. He brings us from there through to a purpose, a purpose for each and every one of us. It comes in believing that we're 
the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. That we're blessed going in, we're blessed coming out. It, it comes in believing what he says about you and not what the mirror says about you. Because when I look in the mirror, I see one of the biggest flakes I have ever met in my life. Because I'm flesh and I'll let you down. Not intentionally, but life is just life. When I was in that jail cell, I, and God said, you have not because you asked not. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and that shall be opened unto you. We have not because we ask not. Why don't we ask? It's because we don't know what we have. It doesn't, we don't know what we're, what we're entitled to. Well, nobody told me. Yes, he did. We're just too lazy to look for it. We want, we want people to hand us stuff on a silver platter. He gave us the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Why do we still walk defeated? Because it's our choice. We, we have free will. We can walk in his anointing when we go out these doors. Or we can sit and witness to the, the Christian right next to you that lives will not be changed. That's the biggest mission field in this world. Is when you leave the doors... We try to blame someone or something for what happens in our lives. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of wisdom. We need to take responsibility for our actions and our reactions. I don't know about you, but I want to live an abundant, blessed life. I don't want to worry about how my bills are going to be paid or if my kids are going to be saved. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Not just me, but my grandkids. I now have two great-grandkids. I know I don't look old enough for great-grandkids, but, I, I, but hey, you be quiet. But Jesus tells us in John 14 that greater works will we do than him because we go into the Father. And, we, and I say, well, how can I do greater works than the Son of God? But it's not me that does them, it's him in me. If we will just be obedient, and Christians don't like that word obedience. We don't like fasting either. Do you ever notice every, Christ, every church always has a, some kind of food? <laughs> Why don't we have a fast? There are some that only come out by prayer and fasting. You're believing for your back to be healed. Instead of, now... Don't take us the wrong way, anybody. Instead of gorging ourselves on barbecue, why don't we have a three-day fast? Why don't we fast as the church, as a body of believers? A corporate anointing, fasting for healing of the nations, healing for self. Too easy to go to McDonald's and get a chicken sandwich. <laughs> I have not fasted much. I'm a, I'm a living testimony that I have not fasted much, okay? But I did fast when God called me into the ministry. We have the same authority in the name of Jesus that he had. That's why he tells us, these works shall you do in greater works. There's a lot of Christians today who are still on their Damascus road. 
They're sitting in church next to you talking about sister so-and-so. They're standing during worship and might raise their hand, but they're really thinking whether they should put $5 in the offering plate or a dollar anonymously in an envelope so nobody knows what they gave, only that they did. They may say, God bless you as you leave, but when they get in their cars, they're saying, huh, Gary thinks he's making a difference handing all these CDs. Dave thinks he's making a difference feeding these homeless people. Ava, Sunshine Road, you think you're making a difference singing to these people. Come on now. These people are still on their Damascus Road and they still have the scales over their eyes because they're still, they don't see the bigger picture. They're all still on their own agendas. It's about being so in love with Jesus and his agenda that even if he changes our name, it doesn't matter. Saul became Paul and became one of the greatest evangelists we've ever heard of. You can change my name to whatever you want to change it to. But I want my neighbors and my family to say, he might have been a flake most of the time, but he always talked about Jesus. And he, would, he always went to church. He always prayed. He always sang. Mike singing. Uh, Y'all just make me cry all the time. I just can't even handle it anymore. So, but that's the anointing. We should strive to get into the anointing. John 3.30 says that he must increase, but I must decrease. I don't know a single person in here, and I can tell by the Spirit, that cares if anybody ever knows your name, as long as they see Jesus in you. Amen. That's what it's all about. Let me see somebody's life changed so they don't sit and because my parent, my dad said something bad about me, live my life to try to commit suicide or try to kill yourself or go out and do things to harm other people because you're so hurt. In 2012, I was coming back from California and I got off on a ramp in Tucumcari, New Mexico, and there was a guy that had a sign that said, I know I'm dirty, I know I'm homeless, but I'm so hungry. So I went to the truck stop, I got me something to eat. And I got him two hot dogs and a bottle of water. Come back to the ramp, honk the horn, he walks over. I give him his food, give him a gospel track. I get on the interstate, I look in the mirror, and before he's eating, he's reading the gospel track. Not only was he physically hungry, he's spiritually hungry. Got to Amarillo that night. I kept hearing truckers for the homeless over and over my head and I thought I know this is not what you want me to donate to this that's fine because that's what I got saved I didn't mind tithing giving offerings helping it wasn't about Dave anymore it's about helping others but let me tell you something I couldn't find truckers for the homeless on Google it wasn't there I think that was the last time I went on a fast. <laughs> if 
But I fasted for three days. I said, I know that you're not wanting me to start a ministry. How could you use somebody like me? And Marshall knows what I'm going to say. But he made a donkey talk. So if he makes a donkey talk, he can use someone that has a vocabulary. Maybe broken Kentuckian or, you know, a twine from Alabama or whatever. So we started Truckers for the Homeless. Started out with these little bitty bags that said, Jesus, we would write, Jesus loves you. An apple, beanie weenies, little small things. Cost us about six bucks to fill a bag. My wife and I would hand bags out. And uh, if it went for her, I'd have quit a long time ago. Because it got to the point where everything was coming out of my check in my pocket. Can you relate, Gary? And I said, God, this is your ministry. You provide. But he didn't provide. Or let's just say, Dave was, was too impatient to wait for God to provide. Okay? Patience is a virtue. You don't want to pray for it, by the way. <laughs> Can I get a witness on that one? You don't want to pray for patience because you know what's going to happen. But Darling said, you know what? I don't care if we have to buy stuff for one bag and if that's all we hand out. But there's, we're never going to stop. So, whenever I, whenever I was coming home, she would call me. I'd talk to her every day and she'd be like, how many bags you got left? Do you hand anything out? I got a bag left. Now, she was about Rochelle's size. But man, like I said, she was a redneck. She'd light my head up in a heartbeat. <laughs> okay? Don't you bring that bag home. There's enough homeless out there. You should never bring it home. So I go through Oklahoma City. Because I know in town there's going to be people that I can bless. Both of the truck stop. I can't find anybody. I thought, Lord... If I could take this home, I have to eat everything myself so she doesn't know that I didn't hand it out. <laughs> but when I, when I pulled out of the parking lot, there was this guy walking down the street with a dog. And I pulled over and I rolled the passenger window down. Hey, come here, buddy. If he gets up on the running board, I said, here, God bless you. And I'm thinking, thank you, Lord. I found one person. I want to take his back home. And he said, hey, I know you. I said, you do? He goes, well, I don't know you, but I've heard of you. My friends told me there's some, some big guy that comes through in the truck and gives us bags and tells us about Jesus. It's not about us. It's about pointing everybody to the cross. You know, show, show them what he's, how he's changed your life. You know, I got to lead my mom to the Lord. Not only did her to the Lord in the nursing home, but laid in the bed next to her. She thought, thought she was never going to go to heaven. And I, I said, have you, could you, have you accepted him? She goes, he won't, he won't forgive me. I was like, <laughs> you've done nothing compared to your son. He forgave me. There's no, there's no one that's so far that hand that the father can't reach him. If you would just reach out to him. Amen. So we've handed out over 2,000 bags on the, on the highways. I'm looking for drivers that want to get involved and hand out bags because people say they want to hand them out, but nobody steps up to hand them out. We provide everything to put in the bags. Or you have an option. If you don't want to take from the ministry and you say, hey, send me the bag, I'll fill it up. We'll send you a list of things to put in it. You don't have to send us any money, but be the hands and feet of Jesus. 
Don't see somebody hungry and you're going to go have a steak when you could hand them a chicken sandwich or a McDouble for McDonald's for a dollar. So I came off the road two years ago and everything slowed on the road because I was at home. But God told me just because I came off the road doesn't mean the ministry stops. So now I'm looking for drivers on the road to blanket the U.S. was, was the vision that God gave me to blanket the whole nation. But we're feeding locally in Louisville and Owensboro. And God showed me five, uh, like cells, five groups of people feeding. We started a work up at one church, and uh, they've taken over. They have, they're feeding once every couple weeks, I guess, OJ, once every couple weeks. So we went to Owensboro, fed 124 for Thanksgiving, full Thanksgiving dinners. Um, we went a couple weeks ago and fed physically 25 people is what I saw. But we went through 80, hand, 80 hot dogs and 40 hamburgers, 120 hot dogs and 80 hamburgers. And I don't know where they put them all, but they went back to the tent city and fed the ones that were disabled or that had jobs but just couldn't afford a place to live. You may think that you're not going to be effective or you have nothing to do in the ministry. But if you can tell someone in the store that Jesus loves them, that's ministry in itself. Amen. Amen. So, I am looking, or we are looking for, for drivers that want to get actively involved in handing out bags. That want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. That aren't worried about making a name for themselves. But to be a light in a dark place. Amen. Father, I thank you that we're not on our Damascus road anymore. I thank you, Lord, that the scales have been pulled back and we know that you are the one that's in control. You are the one that brings life. You're the one that meets every need according to your riches and glory. And Matthew 6, says, if we seek you and the kingdom of heaven and your righteousness, that all of these things will be added unto us. And Lord, I just thank you for meeting every need. Physically, spiritually, financially. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome, awesome, brother. I appreciate you. What a great ministry. What a great testimony David has. He found salvation on a jailhouse floor. Wow. I'll tell you what. Uh, Lonesome Road radio. I've been uh, pro programming, trying to learn how. Roger's teaching me. I'm a slow learner, so give us time. But we're getting this radio station up and going, and I've been playing uh, this one song on there I just fell in love with. It's, it's uh, by Sunshine Road. I found salvation on a jailhouse floor. I love that song. <laughs> I don't know if he's going to sing it or not, but boy, it'd be a good time to sing it. Now he's, now he's looking. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but I do. I, lo I love that song. And so Sunshine Road is our next uh, speakers, singers, preachers, teachers, reachers that are going to come up and bless us.
We are all anointed to, to do his work if we will just go and do it. In 1997, I went to prison. I was an only child. My mom got to see me try to ruin my life for many years. Mama prayed. Amen. About 2008, I went back to jail on my way to prison again. And I found Jesus. And Mama was happy. While I was sitting in the jail, mom, my mom sent me the words to this song, the lyrics of this song that I'd never heard of before. Uh, George Strait had recorded it. And for quite a while, it became my testimony song. Once I got out of prison and joined my mom's gospel band, I learned how to play it and sing it. And then we were blessed with being able to record it. But this used to be my first testimony song. Now it's one of two testimony songs. And the other one I did last night, Life's Lonely Highway. But this right here, I wound up singing at my mom's funeral. And it's not a funeral song. But my mother insisted that I sing it at her funeral. for you. 
It makes no difference what you've done. You've a friend in the one that I adore. The King of Kings, Lord of Lords. I found Jesus on the jailhouse floor. Now he broke the chains that bound me and now. You got the duct tape and diesel fuel. There's a story for you. I used to sing that song with me and the guitar and Rochelle. We was on a flatbed trailer stage. And I did that, Lord of Lords, and my top teeth shot out of my mouth. And I'm running across the stage with my guitar. I caught them top teeth just in time to say, just in time to finish, I found Jesus on the jailhouse floor. But that's one of those diesel fuel and duct tape road stories. It's a true story. Nehemiah Fest in Smithville, Missouri. Yep. David, <laughs> you inspired me. Now, I've known you for a few years. You've always been that kind of quiet booth in the back. Truck drivers for the homeless. I want to send this song out to you and all of the... I don't know. Is it that one? Yes, it is. I was going to dedicate that to him. Okay, I'm not dedicating it to you no more. <laughs> Go right ahead. Dedicate away. <laughs> yes, dear. Are you ready? You, you got to sing on this. Are you ready? We love you and appreciate you. You took my hand 
and sisters in Christ. But walking in faith means you don't always know what that next step's going to be. If you're following the Lord, he's not going to lead you wrong. Now, he was talking about earlier that we're dedicating this conference to the ones that aren't here anymore, the ones that Jesus has called home. Now, this song right here, I'm going to, we're going to dedicate to Gary and Lonesome Road and these endeavors on that walking on faith stuff. But we're also in the second verse of this song. It's all about losing a loved one. And we're all going to lose loved ones if we live long enough. Whenever we're looking out in the world, we might not agree with what's going on. And we might question God. Why are bad things happening to good people? 
But sometimes the more important question is why are good things happening to bad people? But I tell you what, farther along, we'll know all about it.
We're going to close it down with our part here with, with a, a salute to some groups of people. Are there any veterans out there? I know I'm a veteran. I know you're a veteran. Why ain't that hand raised up? Turn your hearing aid up. Are you a veteran? He's my adopted pop. Yeah. I was in field artillery. My hearing is kind of selective at times. Too. I mean, I'm, my, my hearing is kind of hard sometimes, too. Do, is anybody out there that knows any veterans? Is anybody out there that loves the United States of America? Okay. This right here we're going to send out to all three of those groups. You know, you might look at this country and think, what, what's going on in Washington, D.C.? And I'm not going to get political. But I do know that the only thing that's going to fix this country is Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And I do know that the only way that Jesus Christ is going to get scattered through this country is through his children. And I do know that truckers are the lifeblood of this United States. Amen. You're the arteries, the blood veins. And I'm talking about the blood of Jesus. You're the veins. I'm, yes, dear. I'm sorry. So feel free to sing along with any of these songs that you might know. It's three songs. It's just about loving God and loving the country.
Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He has loosed the faithful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. simple little prayer. Pray, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Lord, I surrender all to you. I want to give you my heart right now, Lord, and then I want you to mold me into the person that you want me to be. Help me to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. All right. God bless you all. And remember, God loves you and we do too. Jesus at the foot of the cross broken hearted and lonesome so long I've been lost I left a lifetime of misery at the foot of the tree then I saw Jesus hanging on that tree I lifted up my heart from down on my knees Today I met Jesus at the foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome, so long I'd been lost I left a lifetime of misery at the foot of the tree